Welcome to Daily Airs. You are listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. There's something new on Airs LA every day. I'm your host, Annette Bro, and every Monday, I review varying events that happen during This Week in History, brought to you from A&E Networks, The History Channel, and History.com. October 24. On this date in history, in the year 1969, Richard Burton buys Elizabeth Taylor a diamond. Movie star Richard Burton dazzles wife Elizabeth Taylor and their legions of fans when he buys her a 69-carat Cartier diamond ring, costing $1.5 million. It was just another chapter in a tempestuous marriage that began on the Ides of March and continued thereafter in the public eye. Taylor and Burton met and fell in love during the filming of Cleopatra in 1963. She was a 30-year-old London-born American starlet who was already on her fourth marriage, and he was a former British stage actor, also married but known to fool around and drink on the set. Cleopatra made them both superstars, and on March 15, 1964, they were married at the Ritz in Montreal. As one of the most famous married couples in the world, they commanded high salaries to appear in nearly a dozen movies together. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in 1966 and The Taming of the Shrew in 1967 were the only two to receive critical acclaim. The couple's stormy private life often drew more attention than their movie roles, and their extravagance was legendary. During the 1960s, they earned a combined $88 million and spent more than $65 million. They bought a fleet of Rolls Royces, whole floors of luxury hotels, a private jet, a helicopter, and a multi-million dollar yacht. They were American royalty, and the world watched as their lives began to fall apart. Taylor appropriated Burton's alcohol abuse problem and also mixed drugs into the stew. By 1969, their marriage was a constant cycle of verbal and physical battles that was only interrupted by the mutual presentation of expensive gifts. The famous Cartier diamond was the product of a fight they had in a restaurant one night. Burton called Taylor's hands large and ugly, and she responded that in that case, he'd better buy her a 69-carat ring she wanted so that her hands looked smaller and more attractive. The flawless pear-shaped diamond had 58 facets and was unearthed from the premier mine of South Africa in 1966. It went up for auction in October 1969 and was bought by the Cartier jewelry firm for $1.05 million. The very next day on October 24, Burton bought the diamond for an estimated $1.5 million, although the exact sum was undisclosed. The diamond, christened the Taylor Burton, remained at Cartier for several days before Burton took it home and presented it to Taylor. Thousands of people lined the street outside Cartier every day to view it. Taylor and Burton became estranged in 1970. In 1973, they formally separated, and in 1974, they divorced. 
They remarried in 1975, but stayed together just a few months. The next year, they divorced for the second and last time. Three years later, Taylor put the Taylor Burton diamond up for auction. The jeweler, Henry Lambert, bought it for $3 million and then sold it to an anonymous buyer in Saudi Arabia. Elizabeth Taylor went on to have two more husbands, both of whom she divorced. Taylor passed away on March 23, 2011. Richard Burton died of a brain aneurysm in 1984. October 25. On this date in history, in the year 1929, a cabinet member found guilty in the Teapot Dome scandal. During the Teapot Dome scandal, Albert B. Fall, who served as Secretary of the Interior in President Warren G. Harding's cabinet, is found guilty of accepting a bribe while in office. Fall was the first individual to be convicted of a crime committed while a presidential cabinet member. As a member of President Harding's corruption-ridden cabinet in the early 1920s, Fall accepted a $100,000 interest-free loan from Edward Doheny of the Pan-American Petroleum and Transport Company, who wanted Fall to grant his firm a valuable oil lease in the Elk Hills Naval Oil Reserve in California. The site, along with the Teapot Dome Naval Oil Reserve in Wyoming, had been previously transferred to the Department of the Interior on the urging of Fall, who evidently realized the personal gains he would achieve by leasing the land to private corporations. In October 1923, the Senate Public Lands Committee launched an investigation that revealed not only the $100,000 bribe that Fall received from Doheny, but also that Harry Sinclair, president of Mammoth Oil, had given him some $300,000 in government bonds and cash in exchange for the use of the Teapot Dome Oil Reserve in Wyoming. In 1927, the oil fields were restored to the U.S. government by a Supreme Court decision. Two years later, Fall was convicted of bribery and sentenced to one year in prison with a fine of $100,000. Doheny escaped conviction, but Sinclair was imprisoned for contempt of Congress and jury tempering. October 26. On this date in history, in the year 1984, an infant receives a baboon heart. At Loma Linda University Medical Center in Loma Linda, California, Dr. Leonard L. Bailey performs the first baboon-to-human heart transplant replacing a 14-day-old infant girl's defective heart with the healthy walnut-sized heart of a young baboon. The infant, known as Baby Fay, was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, a deformity that is almost always fatal and is found in newborns in which parts or all of the left side of the heart is missing. A few days after Baby Fay's birth, Loma Linda heart surgeon Dr. Bailey convinced Baby Fay's mother to allow him to try the experimental baboon heart transplant. Three other humans had received animal heart transplants, the last in 1977, but none survived longer than three and a half days. Bailey argued that an infant with an underdeveloped immune system would be less likely to reject alien tissue than an adult. Baby Faye survived the operation, and her subsequent struggle for life received international attention. After living longer than any other human recipient of an animal heart, 
Baby Faye's body made a concerted effort to reject the alien transplant. Doctors were forced to increase dosages of an immunosuppressive drug leading to kidney failure. Ultimately, doctors were defeated by the swift onset of heart failure. And on November 15, Baby Faye died after holding on for 20 days. October 27, on this date in history, in the year 1873, Glidden applies for a patent. A DeKalb, Illinois farmer named Joseph Glidden submits an application to the U.S. Patent Office for his clever new design for a fencing wire with sharp barbs, an invention that will forever change the face of the American West. Glidden was by no means the first barbed wire. He only came up with his design after seeing an exhibit of Henry Rose's single-stranded barbed wire at the DeKalb County Fair. But Glidden's design significantly improved on Rose's by using two strands of wire twisted together to hold the barbed spur wires firmly in place. Glidden's wire also soon proved to be well-suited to mass production techniques, and by 1880, more than 80 million pounds of inexpensive Glidden-style barbed wire was sold, making it the most popular wire in the nation. Prairie and Plains farmers quickly discovered that Glidden's wire was the cheapest, strongest, and most durable way to fence their property. As one fan wrote, it takes no room, exhausts no soil, shades no vegetation, is proof against high winds, makes no snowdrifts, and is both durable and cheap. The effect on this simple invention on the life in the Great Plains was huge. Since the plains were largely treeless, a farmer who wanted to construct a fence had little choice but to buy expensive and bulky wooden rails shipped by train and wagon from distant forests. Without the alternative offered by cheap and portable barbed wire, few farmers would have attempted to homestead on the Great Plains since they could not have afforded to protect their farms from grazing herds of cattle and sheep. Barbed wire also brought a speedy end to the era of the open-range cattle industry. Within the course of just a few years, many ranchers discovered that thousands of small homesteaders were fencing over the open range where their cattle had once freely roamed, and that the old technique of driving cattle over miles of unfenced land to railheads in Dodge City or Albaline was no longer possible. October 28. On this date in history, in the year 1905, Mrs. Warren's profession is performed in New York. On October 28, George Bernard Shaw's play, Mrs. Warren's Profession, which dealt frankly with prostitution, is performed at the Garrick Theater in New York. The play, Shaw's second, had been banned in Britain. After only one performance, puritanical authorities in New York had the play closed. On October 31, the producer and players were arrested for obscenity, but a court case against the play failed to convict the playwright, producer, or actors. Although some private productions were held, the show wasn't legally performed in Britain until 1926. Shaw was born in Dublin, Ireland, and left school at the age of 14 to work in a land agent's office. In 1876, he quit and moved to London, where his mother, a music teacher, had settled. He worked various jobs while trying to write plays. He began publishing book reviews and art and music criticism in 1885. 
Meanwhile, he became a committed reformer and an active force in the newly established Fabian Society, a group of middle-class socialists. His first play, Widower's House, was produced in 1892. Shaw became the theater critic for the Saturday Review in 1895, and his reviews over the next several years helped shape the development of drama. In 1898, he published Plays Pleasant and Unpleasant, which contained Arms and The Man of Destiny and other dramas. In 1904, Man and Superman was produced. In his work, Shaw supported socialism and decreed the abuses of capitalism, the degradation of women, and the ill effects of poverty, violence, and war. His writing was filled with humor, wit, and sparkle, as well as reformist messages. His play, Pygmalion, produced in 1912, later became the hit musical and movie My Fair Lady. In 1925, Shaw won the Nobel Prize in Literature and used the substantial prize money to start an Anglo-Swedish literary society. He lived simply, abstained from alcohol, caffeine, and meat, declined most honors and awards, and continued writing into his 90s. Shaw produced more than 40 plays before his death in 1950. October 29. On this date in history, in the year 1858, the first store opens in the frontier town of Denver, Colorado. The first store opens in a small frontier town in Kansas Territory that, a month later, will take the name of Denver in a shameless ploy to curry favor with Kansas Territorial Governor James W. Denver. The brainchild of a town promoter and real estate salesman from Kansas named William H. Larimer, Jr., Denver, and its first store were created to serve the miners working the placer gold deposits discovered a year before at the confluence of Cherry Creek and the South Platte River. By 1859, tens of thousands of gold seekers had flooded into the area, but by then, the placer deposits were already playing out and most miners quickly departed for home or headed west to the mountains in search of richer loads. As a result, by 1860, Larimer's new town had almost failed before it had even really started. Although it was still centrally located for servicing the mining camps along the Rocky Mountain Front Range, Denver had neither the rail or water transportation routes needed to bring in goods cheaply. Even the Transcontinental Union Pacific Railroad, which opened in 1869, didn't stop at Denver initially. In 1870, Denver began to overcome its geographical isolation with the arrival of the Kansas Pacific Railroad from the east and the completion of the 105-mile Denver Pacific Railway joining Denver to the Union Pacific Line at Cheyenne. Other lines began to connect Denver to the booming mining regions in the Rockies, and by the mid-1870s, the city was thriving as a railroad hub and center for the western mining industry. By 1890, Denver had a population of more than 106,000, making it the 26th largest urban area in the nation and earning it the nickname the Queen City of the Plains. However, the Silver Panic of 1893 brought the boom to an abrupt end. Although the growing significance of farming and ranching helped moderate its ups and downs by decreasing the city's dependency on mining, 
this cyclical pattern of economic boom and bust would continue to dominate Denver and many other Western cities throughout much of the 20th century. October 30. On this date in history, in the year 1974, Muhammad Ali wins the Rumble in the Jungle. 32-year-old Muhammad Ali becomes the heavyweight champion of the world for the second time when he knocks out the 25-year-old champ George Foreman in the eighth round of the Rumble in the Jungle, a match in Kinshasa, Zaire. Seven years before, Ali had lost his title when the government accused him of draft dodging and the Boxing Commission took away his license. His victory in Zaire made him only the second dethroned champ in history to regain his belt. The Rumble in the Jungle, named by promoter Don King, who initially tagged the bout from the slave ship to the championship until Zaire's president caught wind of the idea and ordered all the posters burned, was Africa's first heavyweight championship match. The government of the West African Republic staged the event. Its president, Mobutu Sese Seko, personally paid each of the fighters $5 million simply for showing up in hopes that it would draw the world's attention to the country's enormous beauty and vast reserves of natural resources. Ali agreed, I wanted to establish a relationship between American blacks and Africans, he wrote later. The fight was about racial problems, Vietnam, all of that, he added. The rumble in the jungle was a fight that made the whole country more conscious. At 4.30 a.m. on October 30, 60,000 spectators gathered in the moonlight. Organizers had timed the fight to overlap with the prime time in the U.S. At the outdoor Stade du 20 Mai to watch the fight. They were chanting, Ali, Bomai, Ali, kill him. The ex-champ had been taunting Foreman for weeks, and the young boxer was eager to get going. When the bell rang, he began to pound Ali with his signature sledgehammer blows, but the older man simply backed himself up against the ropes and used his arms to block as many hits as he could. He was confident that he could wait Foreman out. Ali's trainer later called this strategy the rope-a-dope because he was a dope for using it. By the fifth round, the youngster began to tire. His powerful punches became glances and taps. And in the eighth, like a bee harassing a bear, as one Times reporter wrote, Ali peeled himself off the ropes and unleashed a barrage of quick punches that seemed to bewilder the exhausted foreman. A hard left and a chopping right caused the champ's weary legs to buckle, and he plopped down on the mat. The referee counted him out with just two seconds to go in the round. Ali lost his title and regained it once more before retiring for good in 1981. He died in 2016. Foreman, meanwhile, retired in 1977 but kept training, and in 1987, he became the oldest heavyweight champ in the history of boxing. Today, the affable Foreman is a minister and rancher in Texas and the father of five daughters and five sons, all named George. He's also the spokesman for the incredibly popular line of George Foreman Indoor Grills. And that wraps up our This Week in History podcast for October 24 through October 30. 
If you'd like to learn more about Airs LA, including streaming audio, podcasts, and more, we invite you to visit us on social media platforms. This podcast is for the sole use of our blind and print-impaired audience. Any unauthorized use is prohibited. I'm Annette Rowe, and I'll return next week to bring you more events that happen during Next Week in History. Until then, thanks for listening.